Welcome to RC Plane Lab. I'm Ron. And I'm Tom. And we're going to give away this FlySky FS-I6 transmitter-receiver combo. We are finally ready to announce all the rules and the description <laughs> and the time frame and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, we have that nailed down. Yep. Uh, starting February 12th of this year, 2021, you can enter to win it. And entering is, I mean, it couldn't be easier. It's super easy. All you got to do is head over to our website, rcplanelab.com, uh, click on the giveaway link. It'll be right at the top of the page. Super, super easy to do. Put your name and your email address on the entry form and no purchase necessary, none of that stuff, yada, 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 uh, enter to win. Um, it's just that easy. <laughs> and there's a link to our YouTube channel on the entry form. Guess what that does? What does it do, Tom? Gives you a bonus extra entry. A bonus extra entry. It's like two for the price of one, which the price is free. <laughs> I mean, so it's really free for the price of free, but you get double. Double your chance of winning. Yeah. So uh, you click that link, opens up our YouTube channel, gives you an extra entry, like I said. And while you're there, you can kind of check out our content, check out the videos we've posted. The uh, Duelist Maiden videos are on there. Uh, Ron's uh, Yak made or... Was it a maiden? It wasn't really a maiden. No, that was a well, maiden to me. Yeah. That was the first time I'd ever flown First it. time Ron had ever flown the ginormous yak that he owns. Uh, Which is, is going to be put to shame size-wise, by the way. <laughs> Pretty soon by anyway. this behind us. Um, at any rate, got off topic there. Uh, check out <laughs> check out what we have on YouTube. Look around. Um, there'll be more videos posted soon. Um, if you would do us a huge favor, uh, click the subscribe button. And also click uh, notifications. Uh, if you turn the notifications on, anytime we post something on there, you'll get notified uh, as soon as we post it on there so you guys won't miss anything. Yeah, and you don't have to subscribe to be entered the second time. Um, it's just a link to open up the, the YouTube channel. Right. So that's not – what's the word I'm looking for? A requirement? Sure. That's not a requirement. It doesn't help your chances to win. No. Only, but it makes us feel better. It makes us feel better. Subscribe. <laughs> right, right. So lots of cool stuff uh, on the on the YouTube channel. Uh, we'll have a uh, an unboxing uh, video and a review of this uh, radio that we're going to give away. Um, so that'd be something to to look forward to, uh, and you won't miss it if you have notifications turned on. Correct. Uh, on the channel. So uh, you can expect that video coming shortly. Um, I've already flown the radio in my uh, old uh, stick. 60 size airplane did a great job actually yeah no problem uh, i didn't have any trouble at all and uh so i'm gonna hand it over to ron here pretty soon he's gonna put it in one of his electric airplanes uh, and he'll he'll give it a thrash and uh, we'll make sure we include that in the review video so you guys can see that yeah and if you have notifications turned on you'll know and exactly you're subscribed, when it's you'll know exactly so when does the contest end I'm glad you asked. Uh, April 12th. Uh, contest ends on April 12th, and then we'll air uh, or we'll announce the winner on our April 16th episode. So, Okay. Sound good to you? No, that's fine. All right, cool. So easy, easy peasy. Just click the giveaway link at the top of our page and go to YouTube for that extra that extra entry. Just click the link. It's exciting. It is I'm, exciting. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be I cool to too. see who wins. Uh, I, I think whoever gets the radio... Um, I think they'll be happy with it. I mean, well, number one, it's free. Yeah. And it does it, it does perform pretty well for, and it works wonderfully. for what it is. So, so yeah. far. So far. Yeah. We'll see. Yep. So last week we talked about whose duelist was faster, if you remember that. I do remember that. Uh, that was a fun episode. It was a fun episode. But, okay, so my dad watched that. And then he called me and asked, uh, first off, he asked what I was making you guys for dinner. <laughs> 
right? One okay. of these days. Uh, but then he asked, you know, we got talking about airplanes, and then he asked if I remembered my first airplane, which I thought I did. Yeah, because you it, told us that it was... Yeah, my Super Cub, but apparently I don't remember this. Uh, he said I had one when I was quite a bit younger that really? I flew up at the at the park by our house when I was growing up. Um, and he said that I, I was able to fly it around pretty well for a minute. And then I, minute. <laughs> then I lawn darted it uh, into the ground and threw it away. So, so your memory that you went on and on about in whatever episode that was about your super cub and, and the, you know, the going into the hobby shop and buying it and all that, that was a lie. Is that what you're saying? I'm not saying it was a lie as much as it's, I'm old and I don't remember stuff. Wait, wait, hold, <laughs> hold on. Did you just say that you were old? I will say that when it behooves me. <laughs> and this time it behooves me. I'm so glad yeah. you can admit it. Um, I, <laughs> like funny. I said, I really, I don't remember that at all. Like it's the weirdest thing. Like that I have weird. no recollection. Like I've thought about it and tried to remember. Like I asked him what kind of plane it was and he's like, well, I don't remember and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I guess my whole mm. spiel about when I first started was a, a, a complete lie. Well, it made for a good story, I guess. <laughs> well, it was a story. <laughs> I don't know how good it was, but... I can't believe you you flew a model airplane and have no memory of it. That, that I just... I can't believe that. I can't believe it either. Like, I don't... Yeah, I have no clue. Okay. I'm I'm thrown for a loop. And maybe, maybe he's getting old and senile and remembering things that didn't happen. <laughs> oh, you think that's it? <laughs> you think he's he's uh, crafting memories out of nothing, you think? I mean, maybe. <laughs> no, actually, I don't think that. But I just... I, Mr. I Hall, if you're watching, I believe you. I know I have a terrible memory. <laughs> so that's fully possible. Okay. Well, but yeah, so probably my first plane was back when I was a lot younger. Yeah. Um, and that you have no memory of. That I have no memory of. Huh. Uh, it ended the same way that uh, I guess a lot of first airplanes do, though. So it's in the trash. Well, that's unfortunate. From way back when. Well, that was probably not as interesting a story as the actual story that you that you uh, told us on the podcast. So maybe. I mean, if I remembered it, we'll see. Well, maybe you, I, maybe you will remember it eventually, and then you can talk about it again at a future time. Anyway, yeah, that's but, all I wanted to say on that. So okay. what else you got? Well, for now, um, yeah, so some good news uh, coming to all of us Balsa uh, builders. Uh, Balsa USA on uh, the latest, I think it was the latest episode. It aired earlier this week on AMA Air on Facebook. I don't know if you guys watch that or not. I do. Um, but Balsa USA announced that they're going to get into the tool-making business. Really? So if you don't know who Balsa USA is, they are a kit manufacturer uh, here right in the States. And uh, they produce very nice quality kits, uh, a lot of really nice World War One scale, big airplanes. Are they the ones that have the Telemaster, like the rights to the Telemaster and are, are creating that? Or is that somebody nope, else? That's, uh, I believe that's Carolina Custom Kits. That sounds more like it. Um, so forget I said anything. At any rate, yeah. Uh, so uh, it's a big, relatively big company. Um, that builds or that produces Balsa airplane kits. Uh, so that can only mean that the tools that they're going to produce are probably going to be for hobbyists build, building airplanes out of Balsa. Yeah. So great news. Um, as, as Ron and I have said on many occasions, not just on the podcast, but also just in conversations that we had, um, 
about the lack of really neat tools in the hobby yeah. that used to be available um, that are no longer produced because either the companies aren't around anymore or they just don't produce them anymore. So um, really good news for us. I'm glad Balsa USA is going to do that. Uh, and they've already got their first new product. I believe it's on their webpage. It is a, um, it's a sanding tool that you can sand perfect uh, angles or bevels. Uh, it's a yeah, it's oh. a pretty slick little tool. It comes with a couple of uh, blocks that you can glue some sandpaper to, and you can sand perfect 33, 45, 60 degree angles. Uh, like if you're stick building and you know you want those nice miter joints, this will be a really really handy tool to own. So, um, good news for us balsa builders. Uh, I'm really excited. I can't wait to see what they come out with. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, balsausa.com. That's where you can find uh, this new tool and. Uh, like I said, I'm really excited. I can't wait to see what they come up with. That's awesome. Yep. Wonder what else they'll do. Uh, man, there's so many. There's so many possibilities. Uh, I, I remember uh, one of the tools that uh, that I still use a, a Great Plains um, contoured sanding block. It, uh, oh yeah. It's a piece of aluminum extrusion that has a perfect shape to grip. Um, that you can't buy anymore because they don't make it anymore. But, you know, something like that or, you know, I just, I, I don't know. I can't wait to see what they come up with next. I think it's I think it's good news, though. So Awesome. Yeah, we need to get balsa building going again. You know, it seems like from from stuff I've read on the, on the Internet forums and even on Balsa USA's website, I mean, Balsa USA and SIG, these companies are still around. Mm -hmm. So that's a good thing. Um, and they're, they're uh, producing new stuff. So... I mean, that tells me that there's still a core out there of balsa builders. Mm -hmm. And if you get on the uh, the forums, like on RC Groups and RC Universe and these other uh, places you can visit, um, and some of the new Facebook groups I, I wanted to talk a little bit about too, like uh, what's the one that you, I think you sent me something and I joined it and it's like nothing but balsa, the Balsa Builders Association or something oh, like that. Oh, yeah. Um, man. Like, th that's th all my Facebook is, by the way. I yeah, don't, me too. I have nothing other than RC airplanes yeah. on it. Like literally. Yeah. RC airplanes and dog videos. That's pretty much. No dog um, videos for me. Anything <laughs> else that pops up, it's usually a click the unfollow and you know whatever comes up next <laughs> is usually balsa building. But anyway, um, it seems like there's a lot of folks out there posting pictures of their builds on, you know, these Facebook groups. And yeah. uh, so, I, I mean, I don't think balsa building is dead. I think, I think, if, I feel like it's, it's going through kind of a, I don't want to say renaissance, but like a resurgence maybe. Uh -huh. uh, so that's exciting. Well, I spilled your drink I there. I did, huh? but I caught it. Did you see that? <laughs> I did. That's cat-like cat reflexes. reflexes. Good job. <laughs> scared me a little bit. Yeah, yeah. but uh, <laughs> no, I think uh, I think balsa building is uh, is is definitely not dead, and I I feel like uh, that it's it's gaining popularity again. Yeah. So cool. Good news for us. Yeah. Because we like to build with balsa, and we're going to continue to do it for a long, long time. Well, we're going to have to because we got a big project we're going to have to work on. Going to have to or get to? Well, it's all about how you look at it. That's true. Sometimes it can feel like work, but right now we're really excited. Yeah, because <laughs> the Ford Trimotor. <laughs> well, no, we're excited because we're going bigger. Oh, yeah. Well, Ron's um, excited. Well, I had to compromise with Tom. <laughs> um, I wanted to do bigger than what we had originally talked about. Ron always wants to go bigger. Well, I you can't say no. <laughs> well, I did, finally. Well, okay. <laughs> we decided, by the way, that we're going to do 144-inch wingspan. So that takes us to 12 feet. 
Nice even number. Uh huh. I wanted even as ten, but even. (laughs) I wanted a hundred and fifty-six inch wingspan. Oh my goodness! Thirteen feet, but you know what? It's okay. Hundred and forty-four inches is what we're gonna do, and that's that's pretty much, you know, I think set in stone. Yeah, I anything bigger than that, um, physically speaking, I will have trouble getting it in and out of the house. And well, Well, that's not my problem. You got to figure that out, (laughs) (laughs) right? Um, We haven't quite. Nailed down the details. Uh, the plan was to build a majority of it at my house because that's where most of the time I'm going to have to spend is going to be there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the fuselage is what I was the most concerned with getting it in and out of the – because I have a basement, you know, that my shop. I've talked about it before. Right. Um, it's downstairs and you have to go up the stairs and kind of make a turn. Uh, a really long fuselage would be really difficult uh, to make that. So that's kind of why I kind of – Cut you off at 144, 156 inches. You know, it's probably only another inch and a half or two inches, maybe three inches length of the fuselage. But when you're already at, you know, 80 plus inches, um, it makes a difference. Uh, but we may, not, we may not do all the construction of my house. We may do some of it here. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, that that's to be determined. This is, this is a very fluid situation yeah. still because we're in the planning stages. But we've nailed down a wingspan. Have we? Yes, 144 inches. Okay, That's 144 it. inches. Yep. Um, I've decided. And that ends up being, by the way, a little over a 15% uh, airplane. It's like 15. 15.4% if we're going to be completely uh, by the book, if okay. you do the math. Yeah, okay, okay. So it's weird because the yak I have is a 42% uh, <laughs> yeah. yak. And this airplane that we're building is a 15.4% tri-motor, and the tri-motor is bigger than the Yak. Well, I mean, that just goes to show you how small, in reality, uh, these Yak, these, well, not just the Yaks, but the Yaks, extras, the extras edges, how yeah. small in real life they, they actually are. They're tiny. They're very small. I mean, small. like, if you've ever seen one in real life, yeah, they're small. it's like, is this a big RC airplane, or is this a real, like, full-size yeah, airplane? Right. And it's, yeah, they're they're tiny. Uh, but that's okay. Yeah. Because totally. they all have their, their point and their yep. point is to go fast and have fun. It's like yeah. a sports car. Exactly. Um, so yeah. So 15%. We came up with, cause we had to resize the plans. We did. Um, like I said, the, the plan that we downloaded, which we're not, I don't even say or think we're going to say we're going to follow that plan as much as we're kind of using that for an outline. Just an outline. Um, yeah. but I mean, it this is, is, this is going to be no kidding, a scratch build because we're going to be, I mean, we, we have a plan, like a jumping off point, but, but our finished product, as far as the plan is concerned, is going to be ours. Oh yeah. I mean, cause it'll be a, a pretty much a complete redesign. We're just, we just needed a scale outline and that's what this plan here behind us, uh, if you're watching is, is, is all it's really providing is the outline. And this is the 117 inch version behind us, yeah. not the 144 inch. <laughs> I still have to replant or reprint right. the plans. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so it's 185% of the 78 inch wingspan plan. Yeah, nearly um, 200%. So it took me a long time to figure that out. We did a full episode on plans resizing, <laughs> and I completely failed by not putting a page on the website. Um, and when I went on our, our site to try and find like to see if I actually put how to do it in the show notes and stuff. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find the episode. Um, <laughs> so sorry if anybody's trying to find stuff on our website. I did add a search bar. 
Cool. So now you can, you know, search for cer- or certain episodes or search for topics or what. Oh, that'll be handy. Or search for something like that. But uh, I also did a full like write up and a, a small article on there on how to resize and how <laughs> cool. to print. So now we have a page on there for resizing plants. Awesome. Um, and if nobody else uses it, it's just as handy for me to go in and figure out when I need to do it. Yeah. So it's kind of just a reference handy for us. Handy little tool. Um, well, yeah. I wouldn't call it a tool because it's just a formula. Um, but, you know. Well, but I mean, you know, people like me who are who are math inhibited would find <laughs> that very handy. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it just occurred to me. I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you no, off. But it just occurred to me that, uh, you know, we haven't really even started on the trimotor project and we're already providing updates. <laughs> well, like I said, this is a fluid situation. <laughs> we we started on it because we've picked a plan. We have. And we've now picked a size. Yeah. And now it's just uh, overcoming the challenges that will be associated with uh, with the huge upscale that uh, that we've chosen to, to perform on this plan. Yeah. I mean, so, like, what do you think we're going to come across? Oh, gosh. Um, I mean... Well, I mean, the, the the thing that occurs to me first is it's such a big airplane. Uh, the fuselage is going to be really, really long. Like already I'm thinking like as far as the longerons are concerned, you know, stock dimensional balsa, I think you can get balsa lengths up to 48 inches pretty readily. Um, our fuselage is going to be 80 plus inches long. So, yeah, we're going to be looking at things like splicing uh, joints, things like that. So. I mean, that's one challenge uh, I can think of right off the top of my head. What's a Londron? <laughs> a Londron. Londron is that long piece that runs the length of the fuselage or long pieces. Just so on the top or it's like It's kind the of whole like, you could thing. think of it kind of like a spar for a fuselage, kind of, if that makes sense. So like front to back on the bottom even or just like on the turtle bottom deck? Bottom, side, turtle deck. Yep. Oh, okay. You know, something that runs the length of the fuselage is called usually a Londron because it runs longitudinally. Iran, the whole airplane. Exactly. <laughs> See, you got well, it. Okay, so when it comes to finding, like what size do you think, I don't even know what size balsa we're going to have to go with on it. Yeah. Uh, can we get, since we have like the balsa stripper and stuff, can you get smaller pieces of balsa and just laminate them together? You could. Absolutely. Oh, look at that. Problem solved. Um, Next. Yeah. <laughs> you know, offset the joints and, and yeah, I mean, absolutely we can, and that's kind of the kind of stuff that we'll, we'll probably have to end up doing, especially on the fuselage. Uh, we've elected to, uh, go with plug-in wing panels. So that kind of, uh, that kind of alleviates the, the stock length on, on balsa problem, because I think our panels are going to be what roughly, well, they'll be under 48 inches probably. And yeah. even if they're not with a wingtip, I mean, I think we'll be we'll be safely in that margin where we can use one piece spars in each panel. But um, at any well, rate, yeah, those are the sorts of things. One sort of challenge I, that I can see right off the bat. If it's a twelve foot wingspan, then I guess it all just depends on how wide that center section is. Yeah, so, so it might be over a forty eight inch wing on each side. Well, but I mean, there's there's quite a few inches of wingtip also that won't oh. require a spar. You know, well, six or seven, yeah, on so, each side. And it'll be close. Um, but at the same time, you know, we can laminate just like we would with a Londron. So um, that's one challenge. Um, I mean, this is going to be a big airplane. Uh, it's it's gonna, not going to be that big. It's going to have a... It should be bigger. Be huge. Are you kidding me? It should be bigger. Um, it's going to require a lot of balsa. Yeah. So we need to order a lot of balsa. So we'll order a lot of balsa, and hopefully we can get the balsa we need. Because, you know, there's like a shortage right now. 
Well, that's not my problem. Well, Find it. <laughs> I understand, but uh, that that could potentially be be a you know be a uh, a roadblock. Maybe not a roadblock, but something we'll have to you know we like may a have to runway buy. runway block. Yeah, yeah. There you I go. mean, like a pothole in the runway, maybe that we have to <laughs> we have to get around. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, order balsa from several different places because we you know one place may be out of the size we need, and or or may only have so many pieces of because this is going to require a lot of balsa. I think you're underestimating how much balsa is going to be. Oh, in I this think thing. you're. I think you're overestimating it. It can't be that much. I mean, do you think there's going to be more balsa in this than in the two airplanes, the Duelist that we built? <laughs> oh, by far. Really? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, look at the wing. I mean, all we're going to fully sheet the wing or at least mostly sheet the wing. Mm, okay. Um, that is a lot of wing to sheet. Well, but it wasn't that hard to find that balsa. No, it wasn't hard to find it, but So I don't I don't think we're going to have a problem. Okay. Well, I, I think you're, you're right. just I think you're just picking things to complain about so that <laughs> you make it Wait seem like That's normally your job. Well, but it's your you're you're learning, <laughs> I guess. All you're right. taking after me now. Okay. But no, I don't think that's going to be all that difficult. Okay. Especially um, if we end up cutting like our own sticks, which I have no reason to think we wouldn't. Yeah, we, we absolutely will. I mean, did you watch the saving money on ball or on uh, the hobby episode? Watch I mean, it. I lived it. <laughs> I think was I there? Yeah, you were there. <laughs> uh, I don't remember. Hey, you know something else that might be a challenge. Uh, so the Ford Trimotor has a corrugated aluminum skin. Yeah. Simulating that is going to be a challenge. I'll be honest. That's the part I'm not looking forward to. Yeah. Like I'm looking forward to it because I like the challenge, but I'm not looking forward to it because I don't like the challenge. It's weird. That's, but it's going to be. Doesn't make any sense. Like I'm, I don't know. I just want it to look good and work well. I do too. And I, I, I don't know exactly how we're going to do it yet. Um, well, you, we've got, you know, you've, there's well, a couple of ideas floating around, but. I, well, right. Like we've talked about making a plug for a vacuum form machine, right. which means I have to build a vacuum form machine. Uh, which means I have to you then have one. Build Remember, a- you got one from Brian. Well, yeah, but that's way too tiny for what we need to do with it. It is. So I'm going to have to build a big one. Um, and oh, then- by the way, Brian, when I was there a couple weeks ago, or whatever, uh, he asked me if you wanted a couple more vacuum form machines, and I told him yes. Cool. <laughs> so yeah, next time I'm up there, I'll grab a couple more for you. Of those or big ones? <laughs> of those, oh. so that maybe you can make a bigger one out of the smaller ones. I don't know. Oh, okay. But awesome. I figured the parts wouldn't hurt to have. No, not so, at all. That's yeah, next awesome. time, next time I'm up there, Brian, if you're watching, uh, set a couple of those aside for me. Cool. Um, that took me off my train of thought. What were you we talking about? Uh, you were talking about plug making a plug for the oh, corrugation. So we're gonna have to make a plug for the corrugation. <laughs> well, like specifically <laughs> the leading edge of the wing. You know, that's a fairly uh, tight. Comparatively speaking to the rest of the airplane, it's a fairly compound, tight radius that we'd have to form this corrugation around. So that's definitely going to require leading edge forms, I think, probably to most likely, yeah, yeah, to to vacuum form a leading edge, and then tying that into the other um, corrugation that's going to be on the on the rest of the wing might be. I mean, you know, it's modeling, right? True. I'm looking forward to it. I am too. I just I wish we had some of this stuff figured out. Because then I would not, you know, be up all night thinking about it when I'm supposed <laughs> to be sleeping. <laughs> well, I mean, we're, we're not going to, I mean, we want it to look good. And so we'll do whatever it takes to, to make that happen. I did the math. If, okay, so for the scale that we're doing, okay, the corrugation on the side, like, okay, so on a, on a real trimotor, full-size trimotor, I think the corrugation was like an inch, oh, shucks, I don't remember, inch and a quarter maybe. 
Oh, no. as far as like the depth and, and yeah. Width? Okay. All right. Uh, ignore what I'm saying on that because I don't remember exactly, but I figured out for the scale that we were doing, it would be right around like 0.16 inches um, mm. of the actual corrugation. Yeah. That's less than an eighth of an inch, right? No, eighth is 125. Oh, just over, yeah. I was just going to say just over an eighth of an so inch. So it's like close to like three eighths. Yeah. Um, so, or not three eighths, not close three to eighths. like three sixteenths. Sorry. Yeah, there you go. Um, I don't know how well that's going to model and be seen with the way we're talking about doing it. So we might have oh, to make I it just a little saying. bit yeah. bigger. Like I've got router bits already that'll do quarter inch and then we can do like a, a quarter inch corrugation uh, and see how that looks and how okay. that works. Yep. But if we don't like that, then I'm going to have to use a CNC machine or something to make a plug and just like a 3D carved plug or something to whatever whatever scale we go to. Yeah. Mm, if okay. you guys have ideas, let us know because we are oh yeah always, early in the planning stage and always open to suggestions. Yeah, we got to um, figure this out. But yeah, so like one of the, I mean that, and a you know a flat piece of corrugation is one thing, but then the curved section, especially like on the wing leading edge, that's that's another animal entirely. Yeah, I mean you're probably we're probably looking at at hand, you know, making from hand um, a model of the model's leading edge <laughs> to yeah. then, you know, apply corrugations to and then make a mold of that and then make vacuum form uh, parts from that. So that actually sounds really cool, actually. Yeah. Uh, that process sounds like a lot of fun, actually. You know, another thing that I'm not sure how we're going to do is getting the landing gear just oh, right. Oh, yeah. That's another one. Yeah, because uh, so like on the on the plan we're using, the 78-inch plan that we're kind of using as a jumping off point, I think it uses 532 wire for the gear. Um, you know, you scale that up 180, whatever percent you had to do, that turns out to be like half inch diameter steel wire. I don't think we're going to need to make our landing gear out of uh, wire that's going to be that big. So that'll be another... That's going to be heavy if we did. Yeah, that'll be another thing that we'll have to we'll have to design ourselves and uh, incorporate into the, into the structure that we'll also be designing ourselves. Now, do you think any of that can be done out of like hollow tube or does it all need to be like brass tube or should that all be steel? No, probably the main, the main, uh, the main gear legs are probably going to need to be solid wire now for the for the uprights that go to the nacelles if they're not actually bearing any weight we can probably make that out of like kns streamline tubing or something like that that's really really light well that um, might actually hold a little bit of weight well we'll see because there's I no mean, i mean there's there's no yeah i think that's going to hold some weight and actually push it up to the wing oh okay well um, just the way the the whole landing yeah. gear is designed on that probably then we'll make that out of solid wire well, maybe we could make Music it out wire. of five thirty second wire and wrap it with KNS oh, yeah. tubing or something just to be or decorative. Balsa. Wrap it with balsa. You could do that too to, and give it a shape. Oh, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. So that'd be lighter and easier. I mean, look at us solving problems already. <laughs> Talking it out. That's challenges, what we do here. Yeah, we're we're rising to the to the challenges. You know, building the nacelles is going to be another challenge too. I have not even thought talking of that. about the gear. I mean, the nacelles are kind of a weird shape. Like on the you know on the on the real one on the full size one, um, so you know incorporating the mounts into the wings, I can I can foresee kind of because they're like on the full size one, um, they have streamlined braces, kind of like a kind of like if you're familiar with a biplane, you know you've got the interplane struts or the wing struts or whatever, uh, kind of the same idea. So um, and since these are going to be uh, transferring the torque and thrust of the engines to the airframe. You know, that's something we'll have to we'll have to work through too. I didn't think of that. Mm-hmm. Like I was just thinking about designing and and making the shape. But yeah, yeah there's a lot 
No, attaching them to the airframe was was what I was referring to. Oh. Yeah, because they have to transfer that that thrust that's going to be produced by the now we're talking different engines even. Now I'm uh, concerned about that. <laughs> <laughs> now I've given you another reason to stay oh, up late. Oh, shoot. <laughs> yeah, like really, I didn't even think. I thought yeah. when you were talking about nacelles being difficult, I was like, why? It's just weird shape. Yeah. And speaking of engines, um, a small discussion we had uh, going with three pumped engines as opposed to a pumped engine in the center and two regular old four-strokes without pumps in the nacelles, um, maybe maybe we could use one tank to feed all three engines and not have to worry so much about putting a fuel tank in each nacelle. That's exactly what I want to do. Yeah, like so, I want a single tank in the wing. Yeah. So, I mean, that's uh, – I've never actually uh, – designed or built or flown a model that uh, fed multiple engines from one tank. Really? Neither have I. No. So huh. that's uh, that's something that me being a, a nitro engine guy, that's something that'll be fun for me to tinker with and figure out. And that's all on you. <laughs> well, you're going to help me build a stand. I'll help so you build run, a stand. So I can run three engines together off I, one. You, oh, that I want done because I want to hear all three of those together. Oh, we'll make it happen. Like soon, but you got to get more engines. You got to <laughs> yeah, get more engines first. At least one. Now you have a, okay, so, because yeah. you had the OS 120. Yep. You had the OS 90? 91. OS 91. Yep. Had an and OS then you 91. bought another OS 91? I did. So technically we have the three engines. For the 117-inch. For the 117-inch. And, and potentially the 124, I think we were looking at briefly too. But uh, now that we're at 144 inches. And, so because and I'm I, concerned a little bit about weight and thrust to weight, uh, we really need to go to three 120s, I think. So because I have just completely taken off our, the rails, taken our original plan and <laughs> told you that uh, let's make it bigger. Yeah, I'm sorry. Well, like okay. I feel bad. It's all right. But I'm not going to feel bad when we hear them all together running. I know it's going to be so sweet. Yeah. Like I, I'm so excited. I really am. Um, at any rate, yeah, so that's another challenge, uh, figuring out the fuel system on, on three, uh, luckily, you know, three pumped engines. We can put the tank the anywhere tank. we want. because How pump, big of a tank, by the way? Sorry. As big as we can fit, hopefully near the CG. Like a liter of fuel? I, I don't I, I don't know what that is. I don't I just, really speak metrics. I so, don't either. But. Uh, probably, I'm guessing, at least a 26-ounce, if not bigger, 32-ounce, if we can fit it in the wing somehow. That's what we're going to do. As big as possible. I mean. I'm, I'm so looking forward to this. <laughs> He's giddy. Like, I, I, I really am. Like, I don't, I, yeah. This, uh, is, this is one thing that I'm just so looking forward to. Keeping the weight down, uh, that's, uh, that just, just popped in my head. I think that's that's something we need to really uh, keep at the forefront of our thought anytime we design something or are in the midst of building something. I think we're probably going to get bigger engines before this is over. Oh, my gosh. I mean, bigger engines are cool. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, that's um, true. But uh, you, you may be right. We'll see. <laughs> we'll we'll see. have to measure the pull and all that. I mean, I think we'll be okay. Yeah, I think so. I can't wait to put, I mean, I can't wait to put three engines on a test stand and run them together. That's going to be awesome. We'll have to strap it down to something probably. Yeah. Let's get that other one ordered (laughs) and let's do it quick. Uh, Right. You know, the other thing, hiding the radio. 
Like we're going to oh, yeah. figure where we put all that because we need all that hidden. Yeah, because you want to do a scale cabin or a scale-ish cabin. I so do. Like yeah. I'm looking forward to that too. So yeah, hiding the radio gear, um, that's going to be something that we'll have to think about in the design process. So that's, yeah, that's definitely going to be a challenge. We already kind of, I think, figured out what we want to do for like the aileron servos. Uh, we're going to do like a pull-pull setup because the stop or the scale one kind of had that arrangement. Um, so this, the full size one. one, sorry. I was going to the say, there you one. go, you threw me. Um, so yeah, think of like a, a pull-pull rudder on your aerobatic airplane like that, only horizontal for the ailerons. So yeah. we're going to, yeah. So that's, you know, that's two servos hidden. We don't have to worry about those. And I'm still pushing somehow to have the control surfaces be actuated by the wires on the outside of the airplane, like really working, not dummy wires. Well, so, for, the, yeah. for the ailerons, at least in the wing, that's you know, easy. That's easy. Uh, the elevator and, and the rudder back there, yeah, that might be. That's a challenge. See, we get to work. We get to work. Gonna around figure that it out too. We'll figure it out. So let's talk about the real trimotor. Okay. Just, it's such a cool airplane. It's ugly. See, but so I don't cool. think it's ugly. Oh, I do. But I, like, that's one of the reasons I like it because it's just so ugly. It's so weird different. looking. It's different, different, sure. But it's, yeah, cool, <laughs> awesome, but ugly. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's a cool airplane. Um, obviously built by the Ford Motor Company. Yeah. And Ron's a huge fan of Ford. Uh, a little less as I get older, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. it seems to be shifting as, it uh, as, we, as you get older. very fast, yeah. Um, but actually the, the design dates back to um, a previous, um, I don't want to say owner, um, but an individual by the name or a company called the Stout Metal Aircraft Company. That's uh, that's where the design actually originated. Um, that uh, design was bought by the Ford Motor Car, or Henry Ford, uh, like in the mid-20s, I think, 1925, something like that. Um, and they produced the tri-motor from 1925 to 1933. So it's not like actually as long as I would have thought. Like no. after After I saw it, you know, I looked it up and, and did, you know, did the reading. I was like, oh, that's really not a very long lifespan of manufacturing. But, uh, well, it was kind of an airplane that was like thrown together. Like, I'm, I don't even know how I want to describe it because it was, it's, it's completely different the way it's put together than any other airplane that had been built before. It is. I mean, I, am I right in thinking that was the first all metal airplane? Uh, no, I don't think it was the first all-metal airplane, but it was certainly one of the first all-metal, like, commercial-type airliners. In Maybe fact, that's what in I was fact, thinking. Henry Ford used that in, like, his literature to sell it to the airlines. It was, I think he said, it's the safest airplane around, I think was his quote, because it was all-metal uh, in a time where a lot of airplanes had metal airframes with fabric-covered control surfaces or something like that. Yeah. Um, also, something that's kind of kind of unique to the airplane is, uh, obviously, it has three engines, which is not real common, um, but it also had internally braced wings. So you didn't have any wing struts. You know, like how a Piper Cub has the struts that go out there and help support the wing? I guess I never thought of that, but Ford yeah, you're right. doesn't have those. Yeah, so it was one of the first airliners to to sort of have that feature too. Not the first, but one of the first. Yeah. yeah to be oh, constructed cool. all metal and no uh, no wing struts. So kind of a kind of a neat airplane just, just in that regard because it – it was new, uh, and it introduced all these new principles to commercial airliners. Yeah. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. I think it's cool. I do too. Uh, the the the, the full-scale one, uh, the uh, the 5AT that we're going to 
I think we're going to model. That's the airplane we're we're going to be modeling after. Yep. Almost uh, almost a seventy eight foot wing. Yeah, just uh, under. Yeah, it's like seventy seven feet and ten inches. So I there think. were a bunch of different tri motors. Like yeah. when you say tri motor, that's not like talking about just a single airplane, right? Uh, they went through a lot of different uh, iterations, they I did. guess. Yep. And the 5AT, like you said, that's the one we're going to be modeling after, mm-hmm. uh, is actually the biggest of them with yeah. a 78-ish wingspan. Right. And I think the ones before it were 70, what was it, 74, 75, something 74 like that. 74 for the 4ATs. Yeah. 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 Which was like, so they built 199 of these things, uh, plus or minus. I think they had a few extra, according to what I read, they had a few extra prototypes that they that they built and tested various engine combinations and things like that. So, uh, not a lot of airplanes that they built, but yeah, there was a quite a quite a variety uh, in the in the production numbers of the different variants. Like uh, just with the five ATs, there's like a five ATA, and then there's like an ATB, <laughs> and then they go all the way down to like. E, I think. I think, or Echo, maybe even. I don't know. Or just E for those of us that, you know, say E for E. Well, military. (laughs) I can't help it. Um, But yeah, uh, for for as short as the production run was, they're really quite a surprising number of uh, variants of the same. Right. Yeah. They they were were changing things very quickly. Yeah. Um, But that's cool. I mean, I think so. It works well. And if you ever, like, there's not a lot of these. No. But we saw one, I think it was actually like a week after we flew in one, we went up to the Henry Ford Museum for a little vacation. And they have one up there, too. Oh, do they? Yeah, they have one on display. Oh, so is it an airworthy one? No. Oh, okay. No, it's display only. It's cool, though. It's one on skis. Oh, well. I don't remember what, I mean, I think there's, you can look at the Henry Ford website or something that will tell you which... Which one it is? Oh, okay. I think it was a four AT, but yeah, it's one that actually was built with skis on it for taking off on uh, uh, snow. Snow, yeah. And they actually had them too, by the way, where you could take off on water. Can you imagine one of these things on floats? That would be scary. That would, that would be cool, but I scary. Know. I don't like. Yeah, how does that? Huh? Yeah, I'd like know. to see a picture of that. I don't think I've ever seen a picture of one. I of haven't either. I've just read yet. about it. Um, well, you know, I imagine we'll with all the. Research we're going to be doing, we'll probably run across that photo. So we'll maybe, hopefully we'll see. Maybe post that on the website. That'd be kind of cool. Not a very fast airplane. No. Uh, cruise well, was... by today's standards, no. But for back then, true. Uh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Things have changed a lot. Yeah. So I mean, I think the things maxed out depending on the on the engine combination and the and the variant of the airframe. I think about 150 mile an hour. I think is where they maxed. And uh, from what I read, they cruised at around 90 to 100 mile an hour. <laughs> that's where they cruised. Which, yeah, that's that's not very fast. But that's still pretty cool, though, for back then. Something that big, to me, flying at just 100 mile an hour, just it, it seems like it shouldn't compute. It's all wing. That's true. I mean, all wing. It's just huge wing on this tiny airplane. Mm-hmm. Stalls at 57 mile an hour, <laughs> plus or minus. Mile an hour. Yeah, 57. Miles an hour. Miles per hour? Mile an hour. I'm sorry. It's the Midwest in me. <laughs> <laughs> Mile an hour. Don't, don't you, you guys say it that way? I say it that way. I know I you do. Everybody said and it And it makes way. me chuckle every time. Um, other thing that I kind of thought was cool, it only weighed 6,500 pounds empty. Yeah, that's surprising. That's nothing. For a lot of metal and three really heavy, what I would assume would be heavy, you know, nine-cylinder radial engines, 
I would have expected it to weigh more than that. Yeah, that's like two cars. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're I mean, right. that's the weight of two cars. That's true. Not even heavy cars. No. That's, like, I, well, think, I guess one heavy car, then, yeah, I guess, if you I look think, at it. Yeah, yeah, I think some of today's pickup trucks are 4,500 pounds, some of them. So, wow. Yeah. That, yeah. When you put it in, in that kind of perspective, that's actually not very heavy at all. No. Um, what the what could they be loaded to? Do you remember? I uh, I don't remember. Oh. 6,500 pounds. I can't imagine... I mean, you could probably really load these things up, I bet. Oh, you would hope so. So A lot of weighing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think uh, I saw somewhere where I read that they could, uh, they had about a 575, 570-ish mile range, uh, and they could climb to 18,000 and some change feet on three engines. That's... But on two engines, get this, the, the, serv- the max ceiling on two engines was only like, I think I want to... I might be wrong on this, but it was 7,500 feet. Why is that? I don't know. Like you would think if you got up there and lost an engine that you'd still be able to, because, you know, air thinner, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, uh, that was in the in the reading that I that I read. Yeah. Maybe you didn't have enough pull to pull the engine. A, yeah, I don't know. Or to pull quite, the, the airplane. There's quite a quite a difference. In, and I don't know, maybe maybe that's the norm for uh, multi-engine airplanes. Maybe uh, Maybe it's a safety thing. I don't know, but yeah. I read that and I was like, well, that's strange. You know, it just hit it me. makes me want to go smaller so we have the proper no. thrust to weight ratio. We're not going smaller. That's not. Uh-uh. <laughs> okay. You know what just hit me? And I this is way off topic. So the first airplane I built was a single engine. The second airplane I built was a duelist. And that was a <laughs> two-engine <laughs> airplane. Awesome. The third airplane we're building. Yeah. Three engines. Tri motor. Two, three. Three engines. So what, you know what we got to build next. I, what what what's next? Oh, like a B seventeen or maybe a B twenty four or some four engine thing. <laughs> I think that's well, probably got to be next. That's know. funny. It just <laughs> that just hit me. That's kind of cool. One, two, three. That is kind of funny. All right, next. Let's move on. Sorry, they weren't terribly expensive. These airplanes. Of course, now we're talking you know nineteen twenty five, nineteen thirty dollars. But oh, I thought you were talking about the planes I built. <laughs> oh no, the the Ford Tri motor. Uh, Back in 1930-ish, let's say, uh, you could buy one for about $42,000. Wow. Yeah. Although and, with inflation, that's a lot more yeah, now. Yeah, it's probably, I don't know. A million dollars guess, or something but, like that. I don't uh, know. But it's funny. You know, in the in the prep for tonight's episode, we were looking, and there's one for sale right now for a million four. $1.4 million. $1.4 million. So, or they said uh, payments of $6,700 a month. <laughs> Easy peasy. I didn't do the math. How many months is that? I don't. That would be even, a, that I, like seventy five years. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I, it's crazy. <laughs> um, well, but one one of the things I really liked about the tri motor, and it it drew me to it, was not just the fact that it's corrugated, not just the fact that it's Ford. I love the exterior control panels or the oh, the cables. Cables, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know what it is, but I just think that's so cool that you can see everything working. Do the cables? Do they pass by any of the windows of the cabin? No, it's above. Oh. Because, like, how cool would that be if you were, like, sitting in one of these things and you could see the cables moving <laughs> as the pilot was, like, operating the controls? That I would think, be really cool. I think that would scare me. You think so? Yeah. I think that'd be cool. But, no, they're ran high enough to where okay. you can't see so them out the window. Ah, well. And then they're hidden in the wing, obviously, when they go out. Right. There's a bunch of – I mean, there's a ton of pulleys and stuff in there that obviously yeah. takes it around so it works right. But, yeah, I yeah. thought that was kind of cool. That is cool. Something that's not so cool for the pilots, 
uh, on the Ford trimotor. The engine gauges were actually mounted on the engines. Yeah, that was neat to actually see them yeah. when we rode on it. Yeah, they're not in the cockpit, so you, know, you have pilot, to look outside. The pilot has to actually look out the window to see, you know, oil pressure and things like that. And, and not just out the window, out the window behind you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Through the spinning metal propeller. Yeah, it's, you're right, because yeah. that's in front of it. That's right. that's so funny. <laughs> oh, gosh. I thought that was pretty cool. So we'll have to figure out a way to simulate some gauges on our on our. On yeah, our they're engines. not going to move. No. Okay, just making sure. <laughs> no, they're they're gonna, yeah, they're just gonna, be printed pieces of paper, right? Uh, so yeah, nine. I'm an engine guy, so these things had uh, three, obviously three engines on them, uh, nine cylinder radials, all of them, every variant. Um, but they they were different engines. Some they experimented with Pratt and Whitney, uh, Lycoming made some uh, radial engines at uh, at a later time for them. Obviously, Wright uh, made engines for these things. Um, at one point, uh, which I find this kind of interesting, um, they experimented with a, uh, I believe it was a Wright Cyclone, which is a supercharged version of their nine-cylinder uh, radial engine that makes about 500 horsepower, uh, actually made over that. Uh, and they stuck that in the nose with the two whirlwinds out on the on the wing. <laughs> and so you had 500 horsepower in the center and then about 300 horsepower on each side of it. So um Kind of, kind of neat things you can do with a tri motor because you can experiment with, uh, with stuff in the different middle. motors. Yeah, yeah. that's so, kind of cool. So yeah, there was uh, there was some experimenting going on, which I, I think is cool. Well, see, our engines don't have to match them because they all didn't match on the full size plane. Well, two of them have to match. Well, right, right. But the the center one can be yeah. whatever. Which is, which is why our original plan would have been scale. Having a 120 in the center and two 91s on the on the wings. Well, this is going to be scale anyway because it's going to be two <laughs> different brands of the same size engine. That's true. So YS on the wings and an OS in the middle. That's true. And they true. both end in S anyway, so it's close enough. <laughs> They're <laughs> okay. S engines. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'll give you that one. So, so yeah, uh, they uh, produced about 200 of these things in, over the course of, uh, what, seven years. Uh, so... Yeah, when the production ended in 1933, that was it for a while. Um, Ford went on to to experiment with some other stuff. The Ford Fliver, if you're familiar with that one, is a little single seat. I saw one at uh, Henry Ford, too. They yeah, had one yeah. hanging up. I built one, a little plastic model as a kid. Oh, cool. Yep. I'd like to do that as a RC sometime, too. Yeah, that would be neat. Except it killed the pilot. It did. It did. Um, but anyway, you know, Ford experimented with some of that stuff, uh, and they, they certainly didn't leave the airplane manufacturing business. Um during? Well, they, I was going to say they kind of did because Henry Ford, I thought after the his his test pilot died in that fliver, fliver, fl, what is it? Fliver. In the fliver, he, uh-huh. he kind of got like upset with it and didn't want to do airplanes anymore. He did. Um, but Ford manufactured airplanes for um, America during World War II. Oh, yeah. They manufactured under license uh, consolidated B-24 bombers. But they weren't Fords anymore. No, they weren't Fords, but so they were Ford's still manufacturing like, yeah, airplanes. The Ford Airplane Division. Right, it was no longer. Um, yeah, so eventually Ford sold. It, it's kind of a kind of a weird roundabout story. Uh, they bought the the airplane business essentially from Stout Metal Aircraft, uh, and Stout um, Roger, I think is his name. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but uh, he actually stayed with the company during Ford's ownership of it until about 1930, uh, and then he left the business to go continue making stuff on his own. Uh, and then when Ford was done with the airplane, uh, with the Ford airplane business, yeah. um, some years later they sold all of the uh, tri-motor stuff. And I think even some of the Fliver designs went back to Stout. 
who had a new company, Stout something. It wasn't Stout Metal Aircraft at the time. But anyway, Stout uh, updated the design of the tri-motor, changed a few things, uh, updated the engines and all that, and uh, produced an airplane that was very similar in appearance to the tri-motor, and it was called the Bushmaster 2000. There's not a lot of information out there, and I I didn't spend a whole lot of time searching, but I'm sure it's out there. But yeah, uh, Bushmaster 2000. I think there's one that actually makes the rounds uh, in the air shows. Um, So. And I, I think, didn't know that. Yeah, and I think they they give rides on that one too. Cool. Uh, but uh, yeah, that one didn't last long either uh, because it wasn't up to the same performance standards of modern airplane of the era. And we're talking like 1950s. That's when, oh, okay. that, when that was produced. So yeah. Cool. So that's the story of the Ford Trimotor. That's such a cool plane. It is a cool Let's plane. Let's build it. We're going to. <laughs> okay, last thing I want to talk about. So since we're releasing this just a couple of days before Valentine's Day, don't do that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Don't look at me with those eyes. Uh, since this is being released a couple days before Valentine's Day, I thought it would be cool to talk about just really quick. What do we love about the hobby? So I'll go first if you want okay. me to. Yeah. Like personally, I love how the hobby pushes me to learn and do new things. Uh, case in point, let's look at this tri-motor. This is going to be a lot of learning and a lot of doing new things. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I love building things and I love figuring out how things work. And this hobby can really teach you a lot, I think, about engineering, uh, math, oh, yeah. like hand-eye coordination. And really, it gets you out of the house, which it, is nice. Yeah. Um, you learn about fluid dynamics by how an airplane moves in the air, wow. right? Physics, um, building techniques mm-hmm. by building your own airplanes. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can also learn about physics by seeing how an airplane crashes, how and when it reacts to the ground. Yeah. Uh, it's it's kind of like the ultimate video game, but with real consequences, right? Well, very real consequences. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, definitely... Uh, Consequences both emotionally, financially, possibly physically. Well, depending on who it is. Yeah, yeah. no, I get it. No, but I, I just love how you know we're always growing in the hobby. No matter, no matter how much you think you know, uh, there's always somebody else out there that knows more than you. Absolutely. And there's always something new to learn. So, it's you know the hobby is really evolving quickly, and I'm excited to see where it's going. So I, I, I just love it. It's fun. Yeah. What about you? Anything? Well, for me, I mean, put me on the spot here. I, I think I love no matter how much the hobby changes. Um, seems like I can always find something that satisfies that uh, that urge uh, to tinker with something because it seems like you can always find something to tinker with on your on your RC airplane. Oh yeah. Um, so I love that. I also love that uh, you know even though technology has had a huge huge impact, especially in the last I'm going to say ten years. Uh, has a huge, huge impact on the hobby, uh, both positive and negative. Uh, us old timers, you know, the, some of the things maybe not so positive. I was going to say, what's been negative? Well, I mean, <clears throat> I don't want to get into that, but... Uh, no, just name me one quick thing, because I don't even know, like, what you're talking about that would be negative. Well, I mean, the the lack of, of kits, you know, the technology is, has allowed manufacturers to, gotcha. to to build ARFs faster, and so now everybody's airplane looks a lot. Not, not really, but... Um, the fact that, you know, there aren't as many kit manufacturers around because technology has made it easier to produce ARFs. 
um, but you and know cheaper. what? I think that's gotten more people into the hobby, though. It probably has. So um, while that's a negative that there's not as many kit manufacturers it's a and stuff, to the hobby probably, but to a, in in general, yeah. So See, thank, I can so turn thanks for turning my love into something, you know. No, I turned your negative into more love. <laughs> oh, okay. right. I don't know. Into uh, a positive. Sure. Negative to a positive. Yeah. Anyway, go on. Oh, but even the, yeah. So even though the technology has made a huge impact, um, all positive according to Ron. Um, <laughs> and you now. There are still some things that I can do, you know, the old way, uh, which is which is comforting to, to me and maybe others like me who are maybe, not, not that we're resistant to change, uh, but generally speaking, <laughs> people don't like change. And yeah. uh, the older you get, the uh, I'll tell you, the older you get, uh, the less you appreciate change. Uh, so I, I love the fact that I can still do things if I want to, the old way, um, be it working with balsa or installing, you know, radio gear, or tinkering with engines that n- nobody wants to tinker with, whatever that is. I love the fact that I can still do that. Or getting three of them to run at the same speed and, and <laughs> well, building think... an airplane, you know, with three airplanes. Well, yeah. Or with, geez, uh, with three, with three engines. Three engines. I mean, it's yeah. going to be awesome. It is. Um, but, you know, basically, I'm a hands-on, uh, my personality, I'm very hands-on, and I love the hobby because it's very therapeutic to me because it is a hands-on hobby. Yeah. So. Have you ever built a three-engine plane before, by the way? Nah, never. Nice. Yeah, so this will be a first. This is a lot too. of firsts. It is. Cool. Yeah. It's exciting. It is exciting. This is only my second scratch build, so that's exciting. That is kind of fun, too. Yeah. Yeah, my first one, we we went over that. I can't remember what it was. I like, I know what it is. There we go. I couldn't remember (laughs) that, but I knew it was the one that never flew. So maybe this will be your first scratch build that flies. My first successful one. I hope so. Hey, there we go. (laughs) All right. All right. Anything else you want to talk about? Are we finished? Nope. I think think we've uh, bored them long enough. Well, thank you all for listening. (laughs) If you're still there or watching, whichever. Uh, Until next time, I'm Ron. And I'm Tom. Good night. Good night.